in all the married life, all our married life, I hadn't seen my husband uh, unclosed as much as I did the last 18 months of his life. Um, we were at school together. Uh, he used to sit behind me and play with my hair, move pigtails. I could have sloshed him. And um, when I left left school, we went. I went my way and he went his, and then we met up again. And it was the uh, thing when my sister got married. I said, "Can I invite Alan and his brother to the wedding?" She said, "Yeah, of course you can." And that's where our romance started, basically proper, as they say. And uh, 1959, we got married, and that was it. 70, 78. I'm, I'm 78. <laughs> 58 years. So 57 years, I should say. It was just a, a gradual thing. He got a bit more slow in his walk. It was like when he was told he had arthritis in his hip. It was like, well, I'm not going to bother. So, um, you know, his walking got worse and then we got a mobility scooter for him and uh, things. And then he was pretty good with his walking, uh, what have you, no hassle. Some days he'd get a bit, um, can I say the word, shitty with me? And uh, I said to him, you know, don't you get shitty with me because otherwise I'll just leave you to it. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry love, I love you and all this, which yeah, I know he, he did, it was nothing like that. So, um, like I said, it was just, we muzzied along and then as things got worse we managed to get a lot of help from different people and then uh, eventually because what happened oh I know I had a chest infection he'd been up at the farm for his rest R&R as they call it and he come back and he got he had a bit of a cold and passed it on to me I had a chest infection and I thought I can't look after him anymore I've got to have help. So they managed to get people to come in in the morning to help him get washed and dressed. And eventually they got somebody in at night to put him to bed. So, and then I had a few words with them because they were coming here at nine o'clock at night to put him to bed. I said, no way. I said, because he'll be in his pad and by the time, you know, he gets up in the morning at seven o'clock, half past seven, he'll be soaked. So one night they came, well, they came here at half past eight one night. <laughs> so they went away and came back at 10 and put him to bed. But even so then, they when I went up to see him before I went to bed, because we've got the bed up there, um, I said to him, I'll just check you're all right. And uh, felt him underneath and he was absolutely soaked in the half an hour that they'd put him to bed. So I had to get him out of bed, strip the bed, put a new pad on him and everything else. And at that time, he, his legs was getting worse. Luckily, he didn't fall over that time, but nine times out of 10, if I wasn't careful, he'd be on the, the deck. And then I either had to call my daughter and son-in-law to come and help pick him up on 111. And I've called those a few times over the years, but in, in all, I don't know, he was just he was just like a gentle giant, if you know what I mean, you know? He was lovely, so...
when I found him that morning, um, he'd had a bout of pneumonia and I, he just got over it, so we thought. And I went up and found him that morning. He'd been ill, been sick. And I thought, well, what do I do now? I slightly panicked, which I shouldn't have done. But the carers turned up early and they came up and said, oh, morning, Pat, what's the matter? I said, oh, Alan's been ill, right, out. Shoved me out, took over completely. They, I was even ringing 111 and one of the, the girls she said, right, give it to me, I'll sort it out, you get whatever's needed. And she took over telling them what was happening and everything else, then they turned up and next thing we were whisked down to Trelisk. And that was it, he, he went into hospital and ended up at Penrice and never came home, unfortunately. But I coped, everybody kept saying, no, um, they were surprised how I could cope because if he was a bit iffy falling over and I managed to stand him up because they said, where do you get your strength from? I said, well, whether it was because when I went to, I uh, left school, I was um, a kennel maid and lifting heavy bales of straw and looking after greyhounds, I don't know. Like I said, we didn't know he had cancer. It wasn't only, it was only when they, wanted to see what was causing the blockage um, that uh, they took him through for a scan and the doctor came back and he said I, th I thought it might be just a blockage in the bowel area but he said I'm afraid it's cancer it's a big tumour there was nothing they could do so and I'd like to think towards the end he had a happy time because when he came to Penrise it was well it was manic up there sometimes it was you know the the people the nurses and the uh, hospital staff in, in general were all good to him and to us i can't fault them one little bit they were lovely so yes um in all all right it's been hard since he's gone and i'm glad that i can still go to the carers meeting because alison is so good She'll always, I mean, last time we were there before uh, the last meeting, she asked uh, every individual, how are you? What's your month been like? You know, it, it just releases that if you've got any problems and you, you just want to get it out. And she'll sit and listen to you. She doesn't take care how long it takes, which is nice. You still need that support, even though you're not caring for somebody. You need somebody there. You know, just to say to you, are you coping? Have you, do you want any help with anything? You know, he was quite happy to sit there and just watch the world go by, basically. And I think if I hadn't goaded him sometimes to um, go, he would have just sat there forever in a day. And even when they um, used to pick him up on a Thursday to go to the Age UK place, uh, some of the times of that he didn't want to go but I made him go because I thought well that was my rest day I had that day to myself I could just either come in here and bum around or go and do something I'll go and see somebody which I did sometimes so that just once a week that just gave you that little pressure release you know because Sometimes I could have strangled him, I must admit. And there are other times I loved him to bits because 
even though he wasn't as agile and as full of things as he was when we married and through the year, earlier years, he was still my husband and I loved him to bits, whatever happened. So we've had our ups and downs, like every family, you know, every mother, a, a parent, I expect your parents do. Um, have a few words but you always at the end of the day say you're sorry and make up and that's it you're back to normal the next day comes and <laughs> you never know what next day's gonna be so yeah it's it was one of those things that you just took over caring of him basically I didn't want anybody else I in a way I, I sort of resented people coming in to get him up and and get him dressed and put his clothes on because in all the married life, all our married life, I hadn't seen my husband uh, unclothed as much as I did the last 18 months of his life basically because, you know, you you did things differently in those days. You didn't run around in the, the buff and you, you didn't just sort of wander from A to B with nothing on or anything like that. It, you're a bit more modest in those days. Uh, it's how you're brought up, I suppose, basically. So yeah, and it was a bit of a revelation to see him first. You know, the first time I saw him with nothing on, and I think, wow, that's my husband. <laughs> uh, sometimes it was hard. I'd, I'd sit here and have a ball, and because I always talked to my gran because I was close, very close to my granny. I was born on her 50th birthday, so we were, you know, we were closer than mother and daughter, basically. And I used to sort of talk to her picture and say, Gran, it's hard, but, you know, I've got to look after him and that. It, it was hard to see the decline on him, but I can't honestly say when I, how I noticed it, because being 24-7, it's just you get up, you do things, you make sure everything's okay, you get everything, you know. I had his medication all ready for him when he comes down in the morning. I made sure he had breakfast, he had food, and he made sure that he had all his injections, his pills and what have you. So I took it over. You just grit your teeth and, and do it. It's like when he had to start wearing the incontinence pads. At first, I didn't like the thought of having to change him like you do with a baby but then uh, his nighttime pads were like a baby's pad you know they'd come out with a thing and I said used to make a joke of it we had a laugh and he, he always was good on that score I mean I could never say he moaned and say oh don't want to do this <laughs> I said come on baby get your nappy on you know <laughs> let's change your nappy oh shut up you he'd say we had a good thing me between us you know, it was nothing was resigned. The only thing that he really got upset about was if he messed himself and I had to clean him up. And I said, Oh, for God's sake, shut up. I said, It doesn't bother me. I said, It's something you couldn't help. That was the only thing he got embarrassed on that side of it. But as I say, after a while, you just block your mind to it. You don't, you don't think of it as a chore or. I shouldn't be doing this. I I never never thought on that score at all.